So you always want to be prepared to... To set goals. To be really disruptive. Diversity is fundamental. It is just trusting those super strengths. To recover from those failures and, and learn from them. Humility looks like the softest word, but it's kind of the hardest. We ourselves are in beta mode. Life goes on. Sporting Edge, inside the mind of champions. Welcome to the Inside the Mind of Champions podcast. My name is Jeremy Snape. I'm a former England cricketer with a master's degree in sports psychology. Since retiring, I've been fortunate to work with and interview some of the world's most successful thinkers and performers. And I'm passionate about translating their habits and routines into practical strategies to help you become more successful. In each episode, I'll be dissecting a common performance challenge to help you improve your mindset, your leadership, and your team performance. To me, our mindset is the next frontier. So let's find out why. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Inside the Mind of Champions, where we're celebrating International Women's Day, which this year falls on Tuesday, the 8th of March. We're releasing this episode just ahead of that time, because we've had some requests from our corporate clients and women's networks who want to embed this in their communications to inspire the female talent across their groups. Sporting Edge's events and digital learning inspires clients like HSBC, Cognizant, Fraser's Group, KPMG, BA Systems and the FA. So we're really thrilled to be part of your support team, helping you to drive high performance across your businesses. I must give a personal shout out this week to Christine Muller, who has left an incredibly kind five-star review on Apple Podcasts titled The Art of Conversation, saying how the show's packed with highly practical and thought-provoking insights. Well, firstly, Christine, I'm thrilled that the show's helping you so much. And secondly, that you took the time to leave that very kind review. Flattery will get you everywhere. So thanks for those kind words. And in return, I'd like to offer you a gift to join our members club for an extended free period. So if you drop me a note through to hello at sportingedge.com or via LinkedIn, then I'll send you a, a VIP voucher. And once you've joined, you'll be able to find fast fixes to all your performance challenges and join our fast growing community of lifelong learners that are loving the content. I can't really miss the opportunity to send love and best wishes to the people of Ukraine and Russia who've been pulled into this shocking war. The president of Ukraine has shown remarkable resilience, character and engagement in his communications, which I'm sure his people are finding inspirational as they embrace the horrors of the invasion. And I also want to say how courageous I think the Russian people have been for protesting in the streets and demanding the end to the war. I really hope that peace returns across the region very quickly. When I looked at the website for International Women's Day, I was struck by the theme for this year. It says, imagine a gender equal world, a world free of bias, stereotypes and discrimination, a world that's diverse, equitable and inclusive, a world where difference is valued and celebrated. Together, we can forge women's equality. Collectively, we can all break the bias. And that's the hashtag for this year break the bias. So that's a very lofty ambition, but I fully support a drive for more inclusive and equitable cultures 
whether they're in our wider society or our places of work. In some countries and community, this is going to take much longer to achieve. But as with all these cultural shifts, all we can do is focus on changing the microclimate around us to make a difference where we work, where we compete and where we socialise. And if we all take the responsibility to do that and the policymakers work from the top down, then change will definitely gather momentum. Having a background in elite sport, my first professional career was shaped almost exclusively in male environments, almost to the point where I felt sorry for the female physio or team administrator that was trying to work alongside 30 blokes. I've also seen some shocking corporate cultures. The extreme was one business where there was only one woman in the top 100 of a company, so they called her by a man's name. I declined the opportunity to work with them again after that first keynote speech, and ironically the title was High Performing Teams. It may have been better to have called it How to Create an Echo Chamber. In our own team at Sporting Edge, we have more women than men, and we've got an incredible team, so I've personally seen the impact that gender balance can bring. We consider things from broader perspectives and have a mutual respect, which I'm really proud to be part of. I don't think for a minute though that I or we have cracked this though and that's why I'm so lucky to meet and interview the incredible people in this show who are leaders in their field and they share all of their honest perspectives. I get to learn so much and I'm delighted that you've subscribed to the show because that gives me a chance to help you and we can all learn together. So let's dive into our members club, the digital library where all our insights come from and to set the scene we're going to hear from a fascinating female thought leader. It's Professor Tammy Erickson from London Business School, sharing her insights into the future of business and the kind of leaders that will be most in demand. When I think about leaders for the future, who would I choose? I would look for three things. One is, I'd look for someone who teaches. Because one of the most important attributes of leadership today is the ability to share ideas, to teach, to help others develop their own thinking. I do work often looking at uh, different generations, people of different ages and how they operate. And when I listen to leaders of groups of young people today, even in the corporate world, they sound more like teachers than like traditional corporate leaders. They're likely to be saying something to their group like, okay, we've got to get this done this month. But in the context of doing that, we're going to learn the following things. I want you to discover this. So this sense of discovery and curiosity and ability to teach is a really important characteristic for leaders. The second thing that I would look for, quite honestly, are people who are able to create an environment. Leadership today is switching from this kind of heroic, charismatic idea that the leader's out in front and knows everything to almost more of what I'd call an engineering mindset. Sometimes I think about that movie, The Wizard of Oz, and the guy behind the curtain creating all the magic. But a leader has an element of that. They have to create an environment that people are drawn to. Most of the work that will differentiate organizations today, whether it's in sports or whether it's in the corporate world or anywhere else, is not work that a leader can make someone do. 
A person has to dig down within themselves and want to do it, whether it's to run extra fast or to invent a new idea. Those are discretionary activities. And so the leader's job is to create an environment where people want to exercise their best discretionary effort. I'd look for people who are magnets. So Tammy suggests that we need teachers who can unlock our curiosity. They can create an environment. This isn't the icon, but this is the facilitator that's needed. Inspirational and engaging in their communication. They can unlock our personal passion and our intrinsic motivation. That's definitely not a dictator. It's a skillful and engaging leader who wants the best for us and for the business. So these nurturing and engaging and developmental skills can be found in men and women. But with so much change, uncertainty and pressure, we definitely don't need shouty, short-tempered leaders forcing a relentless pace because that's just going to cause burnout and that's not going to help anyone. That might have worked in the old industrial and physical roles, but it won't work in the rise of the knowledge economy where we're paid to solve novel problems rather than dig bigger holes. We need skillful leaders who can unlock great ideas from every level across the business to make considered decisions and then encourage people to do their best as they chase down these new challenges and innovations. So if we are to break the bias, we need to create an environment for the best women to shine rather than being held back through outdated systems and beliefs. Enya Luko had a brilliant career as a Chelsea and England footballer She also trained as a lawyer and now works as a sporting director and successful media pundit. She's been a brilliant role model for so many women by encouraging them to own their strengths and stand toe-to-toe with their male counterparts. We've created a fascinating white paper at Sporting Edge called Women Who Win and it showcases any and several other inspirational role models from Sporting Edge's research. So if you're interested in this women's leadership area, then please go to the sportingedge.com website, look under the resources, and you'll find the white paper with Eni Aluko in called Women Who Win. So let's listen to Eni now as she explains this mindset that women need to forge a brilliant career. I think for women it's about... um being confident in who they are in that kind of environment because that rubs off. That is something that is visible. Um, And it's not about sort of um, wearing the fact that, oh, well, I'm a woman, so I should be treated differently. It's the opposite. I think it is about fitting in as part of a team um, and understanding uh, what talent and what, um, what role a woman can bring to the wider team without sort of working off stereotypes. I think sometimes what people criticise women for is actually a strength in, in, in sort of male-dominated corporate environments, for instance. You know, strength in organisation, that emotional, being able to relate emotionally to people um, is huge because if you're, if you're leading a team of people who have different motivations, who are all strong characters, You've got to be able to relate to all those types of people and communicate well with all those types of people. I think that's a huge strength of women. But I think the key thing is 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 uh, the confidence, I think, that comes from a lot of women who are just okay with who they are 
and have gone through challenges, have gone through difficulties, but are really proud to be women. I think that really rubs off um, on open-minded people. Um, I think I think all those things you will find in in strong female leaders like the Karen Bradys of the, this world and um, you know Emma Hayes here at Chelsea. You know women that just aren't apologetic for who they are, but also don't take themselves too seriously as women in in leadership roles and can really um, connect with different kinds of people and different kinds of teams. Inspiring women to bring their best performance is so important, but it's also important to consider the way this is received. Dr Joe Candola is a globally recognised expert in gender bias, and she explains how these inaccurate shortcuts are based on our social conditioning for many years, and that if we're going to create a more inclusive culture, we need to tackle these biases head on. Bias can be defined as a... Uh, a set of learnt habit, habits, habits of the mind, that's, that's one of the ways it's described in the literature. So our brains have learnt to react to the world in certain ways and sometimes that is absolutely needed and necessary in order to navigate the volume of information we deal with. But some of those rules we've learnt are actually faulty. And one of those 40 rules we've learned is stereotypes. And so for gender, we've learned that actually when, you, when, when women are associated with these traits and men are associated, associated with a separate set of traits. The same with race. We've learned via media and culture that actually black people are often associated with lower intelligence and more violence, whereas actually white people are often associated with very positive stereotypes. These, these are learned from our environments and our brain has learned to categorise people and as soon as we come into contact with anybody from uh, a particular social group, those traits, or those stereotypes are automatically activated, often without our awareness and often without our intention to do any uh, negative damage to anybody intentionally. However, um, they, they do get activated and that's very much what we mean by unconscious bias. They're getting activated immediately. Our brain is activating those categorizations. It's unconscious. We're not aware of it, but it does have an impact on our behavior. So in terms of um, how, you know, having a bias-free organisation helps the organisation to perform better, we have a talent pool within an organisation, but if you're only looking at certain pockets of that talent pool, you're not always going to get the best people coming through. So predominantly now we look at white men and that's where we draw our talent from. We often ignore women, um, black and Asian and ethnic minority individuals, and so there are incredibly talented credibly talented people in those populations too and we are not tapping into that talent so at the minute um, organizations potentially hinder their performance because they have they're drawing their talent just from one population and that population isn't necessarily going to always have the best people in it. So a bias is a habit of the mind to help us make faster decisions but we're not talking about a survival decision that needs to be made in a split second we're talking about a high performance decision which is going to benefit our team culture for years to come. We don't need a knee-jerk habit. We need a considered response. Now I'm not saying that confident women should just get the job. What I'm saying is that there's a need to create a fair system where the top women can get the top jobs rather than just being a dead end for them as they progress through their careers. The other thing we have to challenge are these micro gestures around women. I'll give you an example. One client that I was speaking to a few weeks ago on a call recently gave one of these micro gestures as there was myself and one of my female colleagues from Sporting Edge on the call. 
And a couple of times it happened that each morning he came on and said, oh, hi, Jeremy, how are you? And I was waiting for his follow up and recognition that my female colleague was alongside me on the virtual call, but it didn't come. So I replied, I'm fine, thanks. Um, You've met such and such before, I think, haven't you? And then he replied, ah, yes. How are you? It would have been so easy to skip past that and ignore it. But as a bloke, I feel like it's my job to stand up for the women in my team and and to challenge it because these micro gestures all add up. And when I make them, I hope that somebody would challenge me. And we all have biases, so there's no point thinking we don't. We just need to spot each other and respectfully challenge each other when one of these sharp corners sticks out in the conversation. Having more balanced and inclusive groups will eradicate this as everyone tends to speak more equitably compared to if there's just one or two people who've been marginalised for race or for gender. Getting the minority beyond 30% seems to be a bit of a tipping point. So when a team is comprised of over 30% women, the culture will shift and there's much more team members that are there to check and challenge so we start to get new norms of behaviour. Either way, we need to stand up and push for equality. And that starts in every one of our Zoom meetings, corridor chats or drinks down the pub with our mates. I'm sure some of the ladies listening will find that they're not in an equitable situation and they can't just relax in their environment. So they need a few extra tactics to make progress. McKinsey's Women in the Workplace study in 2021 spotted a key metric which was preventing female career progression, which they called the broken rung issue, around that first step up to becoming a manager in the career ladder. They report that for every 100 men promoted to manager, only 86 women are promoted at the same point. As a result, the men outnumber women significantly at the next manager level, which then means that there are fewer women to promote again to higher levels. The broken rung likely explains why representation of women at the senior manager and director and vice president levels has improved more slowly than the pipeline overall. This could also be related to an age bracket where women leave the workplace to start a family, but we'll come back to that in a moment. Nikki Fuller, is a successful female executive who's worked in sport and business, and she's also an expert in brand and communications. She shares her insights with me on the strategies women can use to navigate male-dominated environments. I think that um, we hear a lot about the glass ceiling for women, and uh, having worked personally across sport um, and in, in, in industries that are quite male dominated. I think that the greatest advice I can offer is actually to be yourself. It is incredibly unfair that the media in particular, when they're talking about a high profile female executive, tend to focus on their clothes or how much they spend on their hair or the car they drive to a much greater extent than they ever would about a man. And so the, the brand almost has to become more important. It becomes more focused because it is, it is still, the media still look at that and, and focus on it. Um, 
I was listening to a lady who was actually a physicist and, uh, and she was an, an em eminent professor and she sat around a lot of tables with male professors and, and her tip was to always be the first person to speak. She felt it was really important to get the first voice. Um, I, I believe that it is about um, being true to yourself, which is you know a maxim, of course, for everybody. But it is also being that much more self-aware. And, and I think that that's hard to hear, and it shouldn't necessarily be the case. But people are judging women, especially high-profile women, in a much, much harder way than they would a man. I worked with a lot of female sports journalists, uh, and they had never really got together as a group and it was fascinating when we actually all sat down and talked about their experiences about how the banter had been directed at them in a way that was much more personalized and cruel than it might have been if they had just been another bloke in the in the team um, and of course the way they combated that was to um, banter back but you had to have a tough skin you have to have a tough skin whether you're in business or in sport um, and I think therefore um, drawing experiences from other women are really is really helpful because actually you do give each other some sort of solidarity uh, but I think that you realistically you have to work harder than some of your male counterparts might have to I like that idea and that strategy of getting an early comment in because I think it does two things. It sends a signal to the room that you're there to make an impact and a contribution. And it also sends a signal back to yourself that you need to burn off those nerves and get in early. We often coach sports stars to get an early tackle or to throw the first punch. Now that's probably too big an impact for the boardroom, but an early idea and comment is definitely the, the corporate and more professional equivalent. So as you prepare yourself for the big boardroom meeting, our next insight will be worth considering. It comes from Lisa Akerson, who's an expert in communication, body language and tone. Her advice on how to use your voice and your body could be a brilliant tip to enhance your credibility. I would say women struggle, this is my speciality, I have a huge passion about empowering women and over the 12 to 15 years I've worked with women, whether it's in organisations or with teachers or personal clients, I think women have a huge confidence issue uh, around communication, not because they aren't able to do what they do well and they are experts in their own fields, what happens with women is they haven't quite learned how to channel what they do in terms of their physical body presence and in terms of their vocal tonality. Now women generally have slightly higher pitched voices to men and if they don't capitalize how they can work on their chest resonance which is really bringing their voice into their chest so what women tend to do is place their voices higher up in their range so they kind of sit in what I call a higher girly position and so very often when they're trying to gain the attention of the room or have authority if their voices come from here 
or if they do a Marilyn Monroe version, which is this, then what they find is, can everyone listen to me? I'm just about to talk about whatever that may be. They find they can't gain authority because they're not in their feet, they're not in their chest resonance, and they haven't been able to breathe deeply. So what happens is people talk over them, people interrupt them, people don't give them the recognition they, they desire. So I often have women who have been promoted or women who are in very senior positions say, why is it people don't take me seriously? I know I've got the job because I deserve it. And then I listen to them and I hear that voice and I say, well, let's listen to you. Let's record you, shall we? And let's play you back. And they're very often surprised. And I say, would you listen to yourself and take you seriously with that girly high-pitched voice? Margaret Thatcher had to take her voices a few octaves down to be taken in the house, seriously in the House of Commons. And that was done with huge intention because there is something about where you place your voice that gains you the credibility and authority that enables you to be listened to. And women can do it, they just need to know how. Now the last thing I'm suggesting is that we all start to speak like Margaret Thatcher but self-awareness around our tone, our verbal tics like um or aha or like, and uh, the posture that we hold while we speak and the pace we speak at can all contribute to the power and impact of our messaging. Lisa did an amazing masterclass on communication skills for our members club recently. So if you're keen to watch that one hour session, then you can go to sportingedge.com visit the members area and then when you've created your personal profile just use the simple code podcast100 in the checkout and that'll give you a free month's access to that amazing content and community. There's no catch, you don't need to put your credit card in. Clearly from our perspective we'd love you and some of your team members to join from work. We've got some amazing companies that are in there and entrepreneurs networks and elite sports coaches The content is world-class and I really hope you'll take that step to look at Lisa's masterclass in the event section using that code PODCAST100. But before you buy a blonde wig and an electric blue power suit with 80 shoulder pads like Margaret Thatcher, you should listen to our next insight from gold medal winning hockey star Helen Richardson Walsh. Her timeless advice could save you some time and money. The thing that I would say to to young girls or or any young people um, is difficult growing up in society today uh, with all the the pressures of social media that you know you kind of look at what everyone else is doing you think I've got to do that I've got to I've got to speak like her or I've got to look like her I've got to wear that that kit or that those trainers and it is difficult to sometimes think no actually this is me, this is who I am, and having that, that belief in, and self, self-worth in who you are. And I would say to, to, to young girls, um, to be happy with who you are, that is the most important thing. There, will be so, there are so many different people in this world, but not one person is the right person to be. Who you are, what you stand for, is the most important thing and remember you will fail you will make mistakes at times be happy to laugh at yourself i think that's a, another thing i would say um, make mistakes and be happy about it because we all do them we all need them to learn 
And that's, that's the most important thing. Be you, be yourself. That's a really sound perspective, whether you're young, old, male or female. There's a silent pressure on us all to act a certain way, but it can be really exhausting. So while some short-term tips and tactics here and there can be good to make an impression in a meeting or how to navigate internal politics, authenticity in the long term is critically important. When you show who you really are and are unapologetic for that, it shows real confidence and balance. One final way that we can break the bias is by reconsidering the outdated views that women's careers are limited before they even start by the risk of them having a family. I read some interesting research on leanin.org where they found that more than 90% of companies track women's overall representation, but only 65% track gender differences and promotion rates. So it's not enough just to have a balance of women in our organisation. We need to see them making their way up and through the organisation. The pandemic has driven a seismic shock through our beliefs of what work looks like. And this is a great time to be challenging those old thinking habits. Ensuring that women can forge a long-term career with promotions is essential. Someone that knows this as well as anyone is Ilaria Gregotti, who's led some of the huge corporate transformations around the world alongside managing a busy family life. Women in business are absolutely critical. We need more of us to be out there and be working. Uh, you don't necessarily have to be super ambitious to be able to do that. You just need to like what you do. I believe in giving women the choice to uh, decide what they want to do. But my advice to women is not to take too long-term a view about their careers. Now, let me explain this because it's slightly an unconventional way of putting it. I think you need to look at, as a working mother, what you need for the next 12 months in order to maintain a balance between being with your family and being at work. Um, that balance changes pretty much every couple of years as your children get older and therefore there's very little point in trying to have a setup that works longer term uh, because that that just career probably doesn't exist and you're very lucky if you have it now but in my experience it probably doesn't exist my uh, sons are teenagers now uh, they have very different needs to when they were toddlers or in primary school and therefore I've had to adjust my work concept of work-life balance as their needs have evolved. Um, I worked part-time for years then went back up a bit to full-time now I try to stay at home and work from home on Fridays and, and it's having that flexibility to really be able to say, does it work for me for the next 12, 18 months? Do I feel I have the right balance? Go for it. Don't worry about what comes after. Now, if, if you feel that it's not working, talk to your leaders. Don't preempt a decision by the business. Come and bring us the challenge. If you feel your work setup needs to change because you feel you're out of balance, come and speak to us. 
before you make a decision to leave. You'd be surprised uh, as to how much one can do to come more towards you. I really like Alaria's point about creating an adaptable system that works for you over the next six to 12 months, rather than blocking yourself and your thinking by imagining that whatever you choose has got to be perfect for the next decade. With so much change, everybody's role within their workplace seems to be so fluid at the moment. So by trying to restrict ourselves to something binary will actually give us a worse result, both for ourselves and our business. And we've seen so many people working brilliantly from home. So maybe this hybrid nature, this truly hybrid nature could take away some of the guilt of being either fully at work or fully with our kids. There's been a rise in paternity leave and we've seen loads of instances where dads have been the stay-at-home parent. Um, Roles and perspectives are changing in that regard. And there's also the option to rotate roles with parents swapping days to work from home where they're managing the childcare while the other partner commutes. Each of the parents could do two to three days where they're doing the school pickups from home and working flexibly and then they rotate to have two or three days commuting into the office. I suppose my point is that this flexibility should provide women with more options compared to the traditional model that built the bias in the first place. So we can all be more inclusive to the parents and our teams and work in a flexible way that allows them to love their job and their family. If we think long term and about valued relationships, this should be seen as an opportunity rather than a threat. So as Alaria said, take control and present this to your bosses with the perfect role and rhythm that works best for you. And then you can present that in your best Margaret Thatcher voice and you might be surprised at the outcome. One of the downsides that was reported in the lean in research from this hybrid working model was that more women than men reported a sense of burnout, that they felt that they'd got to be available to work 24-7. And that's a worrying statistic. So it's an absolutely fundamental thing to make sure that we can manage our own energy levels and manage the expectations of those around us so that we can have this healthy intensity around our work. But then also we're able to switch off, have some downtime and time away from work with our families so that we can recover and refresh and come back the next day ready to make an impact. So the message is clear. The future demands of work are changing. We need less alpha dictators and more skillful facilitators who can engage with people at a human level and unlock the potential of their teams. Women deserve the chance to showcase their skills at every level in the organisation. And when we create diverse teams, our options will face much more healthy interrogation and will make stronger decisions as a result. We all need to create a sustainable culture where staff can switch off in the evenings whether they have kids or not. Working from home doesn't mean living at work and we need to respect that divide. So this year's hashtag for International Women's Day is Break the Bias with everyone taking pictures of themselves with their arms crossed like an X. So that's great for the selfies But my challenge for us all is to embrace this year's International Women's Day with open arms and more importantly, open minds. I hope you've enjoyed this special episode and I'm wishing you every success in your career and life. If you know people across your social or company network who need some inspiration 
on International Women's Day, then please feel free to share this episode with them. Don't forget to download the white paper, Women Who Win, from sportingedge.com in the resources section. I hope you'll enjoy more tips and tactics from some of the amazing and inspirational women that have been kind enough to share their story with Sporting Edge. If you need any support for yourself or for your business, or you have a question or an idea for a future episode, then please send those through to hello at sportingedge.com. And until next time, good luck. Thanks for listening to this episode of Inside the Mind of Champions. Connect with Jeremy's LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram links in today's show notes to receive the latest insights from his work. If you'd like to get access to Sporting Edge's digital library or book Jeremy for a conference speech or webinar, then please visit www.sportingedge.com or email hello at sportingedge.com.